Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. And can you believe it? We're officially into the serious stuff this preseason. The club v club practice matches. And as every single game unfolds, we'll do a review for you, helping you look at the players that popped, the players that maybe not, and those that we need to take some learnings and reflections about in 2024, with now just weeks left before opening round and Round one, when our fantasy football year really gets underway. Let's talk about the Collingwood Football Club. And there's a number of guys that's worthwhile having a conversation about and players that are relevant. First up, gosh, we got to talk about Nick Dacos, don't we? Here's the thing. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed, if you want to use that word loosely, is that you have now seen him play. So for those that are fading Nick Dacos, and we spoke about this when we placed him at number one in the 50 most relevant, the narrative and the reasons for why, it's because of those early tags, the early buys, the potential price point, and the opportunity to target him as a option after that early buy. We unpacked that through the 50 most relevant episode. Nothing changed because of what happened yesterday. Outside of this, it went from a theory of what you wanted to do to now realization of watching who he is. So can you pick Nick Dacos? Yes, of course you can. The fact that what did he do? A 57% time on ground. Uh, he ended and scored a 75 in AFL fantasy and tunned up for us in super coach. Is that honestly surprising for us at all? No, we know from a points per minutes perspective over the past two years, he's been an absolute animal. He's moving into this midfield wall. We know when he's given space to roam, he will score. So nothing has changed outside of you're now going from theory to watching and seeing and getting a moment of what it could be like between round one, two, three, four, and then even potentially round six without Nick Dacos. So can you start him? The answer is yes. Of course you can, but it's probably not going to be because you're going, I think there's quote unquote value or upside as the primary driver. I think the primary driver is, I just don't want to start the year without him. I just want the best defender for as long as I can. And that's absolutely fine and a viable play. Um, and then, yes, you can argue a little bit of upside, but if you're starting him. I think it's at D1. I don't really like him in any other position, but I understand the narrative behind it. But nothing's changed. So if you're taking Nick Dacos on, nothing changed except this. You went from theory to seeing and feeling what it could be like. And if you didn't like that feeling, get him. Absolutely fine to do it. Fantasy footy is to be enjoyed. And if you're not enjoying watching fantasy and playing fantasy footy without him, pick him. But if you're anti-starting him for the reasons of value, for upside, for tags, for fixtures, for early buys, none of that's changed. You've just got a little bit of a line in sight to see what's actually unpacked for you there. Look, some other Collingwood players that are of interest, look, don't be surprised. We saw Hoskin Elliott, Lipinski, Quainar, Maynard all score well, 
because these are really open, uncontested style games. So lots of uncontested marks, lots of uncontested possessions. And you look through some of those mark tallies like Hoskin Elliott, 12, Maynard, 10, Lipinski, 8. These are not normative for them. So while we want to take and learn and observe things from these games, we also got to recognize that this is where the preseason traps do start to come. If these were players that were never on your radar during the preseason, which understandably so they shouldn't have been, nothing's changed so drastically so that you need to pivot towards them. Some other players that we do have to talk about from Collingwood though is Finn McRae. Really limited time on ground for him. I think it was what 30, 35, 36% time on ground. And from a scoring perspective, a 28 in AFL fantasy, a 29 in super Kate, super coach. I hate to say it, but I think the dream is over. Um, he did not get the center bounce opportunities. And this was a team that was running without uh, Scott Pendlebury as well. So if ever we were going to see with confidence that McRae was in best 22 calculations, let alone safe from any kind of vesting elements, we needed to see in this match a stronger component of center bounce opportunities. And we really didn't see that. There was no reason not for the Collingwood coaching staff to give McRae these opportunities, given it's their only real hit out now ahead of opening round. So because he didn't get that, I'm very much of the opinion that you need to fade Finlay McRae. Now, some injuries could come and that that might mean, yes, that changes that perspective, but the lack of midfield opportunity, I don't think he really impacted the game too much anyway. I know he had 10 possessions um, off that 30-odd 35% time on ground, so reasonable, but I didn't feel like there was any impact. It didn't offer much presence, clearly not in the mix now. So to me, that forces a little bit of a forward line challenge for us because he was, for a lot of people, he was on ground or their emergency F7. So that's a good, helpful learning for us. That might force some elements of restructuring about what we do in other positions and lines, given that it did appear for a minute there that forward rookies, we, we felt like there was a good, strong scoring component. Uh, maybe that's just diminished just that fractional little bit for us as well. But the big two talking points from a Collingwood perspective, Dacos and then Finlay McRae, look, McInnes, probably a very similar perspective uh, to what uh, we saw from McRae. In fact, even in the first interview before the ball bounced, Craig McRae said, look, yeah, McInnes is going to get his chance at some point, but he's not the McStay replacement. And he listed a number of other guys, including an Ash Johnson, who kind of got first bite at the cherry in this match to, to fill this. And he was very, very much opposition dependent about where they can exploit them. So I think also Reef McInnes, I know a few people have considered him as a viable structural option. But for me, I think both these Collingwood cash cows and rookies, not really someone we can kind of go in with confidence. If you're big on Jordan Degoe, you saw everything you would have wanted out of Jordan Degoe. I don't see a lot of people across the community going him outside of drafts, but I understand it. Um, and I, I think, Charlie Dean might be just the one to keep an eye on. Rookie-priced guy. I know we were looking at him last year. Um, 12 possessions, 8 marks, scored 60-odd in AFL Fantasy, 47 in Supercoach. I think with the absence of Nathan Murphy, someone's got to take that defensive role. Um, Frampton got that opportunity in the grand final. Will it be Charlie Dean? This, again, maybe not a huge scoring prospect for us, but something that is interesting and of note. And then lastly... I'd probably, if I was in a draft format, I'd be 
upping my stocks just that little bit more on an Oleg Markov. They did seem to like his run and carry, and they were playing through him a lot. And that makes a lot of sense, given that he's the closest parallel, and I use that term very loosely, closest parallel to a Nick Dacos in the sense of speed, run and gun, um, lots of meters gained per possession style player. They were playing through Markov a fair bit. So I wouldn't mind taking a light, uh, a late flying hit on Oleg, Oleg Markov in, in a draft. I think he might be the one that pops a little bit more value based on where you're going to get him at your ADP. So that's just there. It's not a huge play. It's not a huge bump, but I, I think there's something there for us to consider. I felt like we learned a lot more about Richmond and, and their fantasy football prospects for us. Thompson Dow was certainly one of the really big learnings and talking points. 20 possessions, uh, just skinny of the Tarnian super coach, mid 50 score in AFL fantasy, and, and pretty solid time on ground to 82%. Plenty of midfield opportunity, heavy presence at centre bounce does win the contested footy really, really well. Lacks a little bit of polish um, and probably a little bit of a tank as well. Those are probably the two things that I think we'd all still love to see in the development from Thompson Dow. I think in Supercoach, given his price point, um, if you're wanting as many of those kind of sub 300 guys on field, he's absolutely a consideration. If you're losing interest in that middle range of players, sort of that 400-ish thousand range where you've had previously a Guthrie, but you've got your Wines, you've got your Crouch, you've got your Martins, you've got your Amons. If if you don't really want any bite of that cherry, um, potentially an option for you is, is a Thompson Dow, who's a little bit more expensive than a cash cow, uh, but certainly got some some runs on the board this preseason and, and heard some good things. I don't hate it in AFL Fantasy or, or Dream Team either, but certainly in Supercoach, just on the scoring split in this game, let alone the opportunity, I, I think he's one of the really big winners from this. Um, the other big winner for us is what we could get at R3 in Dream Team and in Supercoach, and that's Sam Naismith. Again, solid outing and performance from him. The number one ruck option, which is really important to see, and the reason he's got that is there is some concerns around the health of Toby Nankervis and whether or not he'll be right for round one. So this is really, really helpful for us for a couple of reasons. One, they're going to certainly be cautious and conscious of easing him into the start of the season. So that's really positive for us. Two is they do play an opening round. And so he'll get that accelerated price movement for us before Richmond have their buy in that back end of the first few weeks of those early buy rounds. So we'll see an accelerated price movement for us. So I think that's really important that if we see the combination of Richmond being conservative and Naismith holding down this number one ruck spot, which is why he's been brought in for insurance purposes like this, protect Samson Ryan, who's not quite ready yet to take on bulk ruck responsibility. It's, it's a nice halfway house strategy from Richmond. I think in Supercoach now, unless you're wanting to open up the DPP link between your ruck and your forward line, I think Naismith makes a lot of sense in Supercoach and in Dream Team now to be able to start him. I, I don't like his price point in AFL Fantasy. I think it's politely a mistake the way they've chosen to price him, but I understand why they've chosen to do that and, and the theory and thought process behind it. I personally don't like it, but that's okay. It just rules him out of selection and is a bench ruck option. Could you consider him in your R1 or R2? Look, 
you can, but I really do th- feel like it's a, still the story of five rucks about how you're going to structure up in, in AFL fantasies rucks. So for me, Naismith's probably someone I'd fade interest in that format, but in Dream Team and Supercoach, I, I think it's really highly elevated. You'll get that look and see in opening round. You'll get to know what that break-even movement will be. And then if he's there in round one, because they'll play the first match of round one, you'll be able to, with confidence, select him knowing that that movement is going to really be pretty close to guaranteed already. Um, someone we included in the 50 most relevant is Jaden Short. He led this game for meters gain, 27 possessions, took kickouts, um, shared them with a couple of other Tigers, by the way, uh, but really did look good. Um, they love to play through him and get the ball into his hand. Like even his kick to handball ratio is really impressive. Um, heavy, heavy kick possession player. Still some marks in there. Um, good time on ground. 92 in AFL Fantasy and a 120 in Supercoach. Again, the scoring is nice to know, but it's all about role and game style and play. And while we do know historically halfbacks pop in these style of uncontested open games, what was really important to me is the way that Richmond looked for him at every opportunity to be their key distribution off halfback. So I really quite liked him. And I think that if you were bullish on Jaden before last night, you saw everything you wanted out of this game. If you weren't really loving uh, the defensive premiums and you're unsure where to go, were you at uh, Team Dacos, Team Stewart, Sinclair's injuries in the preseason has called you. If you're not sure where to go and you want something unique, um, Short's absolutely right in the mix. He, he without con- any doubt or, or lack of consideration, could be and will be pushing for the top six defensive spot across the formats in my eyes. And so, yeah, if you want to create some separation in your team, you think you can navigate that early buy block um, where Richmond have one of those early buy rounds as well. Absolutely no problem for me to to tick off that manoeuvring as well. I, I think that's really interesting. Bolton, I thought was really nice in this game. Again, if you're looking for an anchor at F1, He's an option for you. Dusty did dusty things. I don't think he'd take too much out of this match. And I think if you're also really, really big and bullish on Tim Taranto, again, much like Short, everything you expected to see from him was there. High points per minute style of player, wins plenty of football, like 26 possessions. Not a heap of marks, but that's never really been his game. The tackles were there, and in a game that was relatively bruise-free from a tackle perspective, I think you could be quite optimistic and encouraged by how that kind of worked for you. So to me, there's a couple of really nice options and avenues for you to be able to consider about what really was happening from a Toronto's perspective. So I don't think his scoring is going to drastically fall away for us. I still think he's got the potential to push that 110 barrier comfortably in AF and a 105 to 110 guy in Supercoach. His possession was a little bit cleaner last night at times to what I've seen from him, but still a very, very good pick. And if you, again, you're looking for a unique, Toronto did everything you would have hoped for. Hey, and probably lastly, you've got to talk about Josh Gibkus. Um, it, it would be a crime if we didn't mention him. I, I thought he looked really, really strong in this matchup and absolutely across the formats. Uh, I'm really comfortable to take him as a, a defensive option on the bench. And there's a number of reasons for it. Uh, the scoring's not great. And, and he's a key position defender, so it's never going to be great. But the thing that's good about Gibkus, I think, is twofold for us that it's really important not to discount. Number one, he's got job security. 
So that, that's something in, in, a, in an area of the field on our benches where we just need a slow burn, much like Paddy McCartan from a few years ago at Sydney and Sam DeConning at Geelong back in, I think it's 2022, um, where it was like, you know what? We don't really need them on field and a 60 feels like they're ceiling, but I'm going to take it because it's just going to clip money over every single week. And if we can pop an 80 at the right spot, it'll just keep that cash generation moving. And hopefully it's never something we have to put on field. So I think the job security is really important, given that there's not always that surety for us with our cash cows. No point in them having the best scoring capacity and the best scoring opportunity in the world if they're not even in the AFL side. Gibkus has that. Second thing, I really should have said three, but second thing, um, is he's a mature body. Is he's not just a first-year key position tool that's going to get pushed around a bit. He, he did some really nice stuff in the intercepting space, read the play really well, and did kind of structure Richmond up a little bit more nicely. And the third is this. He's playing an opening round, much like his Tiger teammates. And what do we know about that? It has the accelerated price movements in AFL fantasy, where it's basically a double movement at the end of uh, round one, whereas for Supercoach, he's that price cycle ahead of everybody else. And because Richmond are right at the back end of those buys, you're going to maximize the opportunities for cash generation, meaning he'll have an extra price movement, hopefully an upwards one, ahead of some others that are in that cash cow range because he's played opening round. So for me, just that accelerated price movement, the mature body, and the fact that he's got job security means for me that Gibkus feels like across the formats for me someone that you can safely put at a D7 or a D8 and play. So some really good learnings out of this game. So Dow, I think in Supercoach especially, has really elevated his prospects. I think Naismith, for as long as Nankervis is out in Supercoach in Dream Team, really easy R3 selection. Unless a Toby Conway really surges out through his preseason match, I think we're going to see Naismith in. Those two formats really popular. Unfortunately, I just don't think you can pick him in AFL Fantasy. And Bolton, if you're bullish before, you stay bullish again. And same with Jaden Short and Tim Taranto. If you're bullish before, you stay it again. Well, from the Magpies' perspective, to recap, I think it's over with Finn McRae for us. We do need to now look for another option. He didn't get the opportunity of time and role and the volume of that where there was still the gap of no Scott Pendlebury. So I think that might be over for us. And Nick Dacos, if you're on him before, this was why you were on him. And if you're off him, the only variable that's changed is it has moved from theory to something that you have now seen. So if you want to pick him because you didn't like that feeling, that's fine. Just state it and own it and embrace it. It's okay to say, I didn't enjoy not owning him. It was only preseason. I can only imagine what it'll be like. It's not a money play. It's a comfort play. And that's okay to say that. But what did you take out of this matchup from Collingwood and Richmond? It was a really learning and helpful match for us. Do you agree with some of the takeaways? You can get in touch with us across social media and join the conversation about these players. If you're enjoying these match reviews and you're watching them on YouTube, make sure you give this video a like. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. We're doing this on the audio podcast as well for every single match review to give you some of my immediate first thought reflections. And then we'll get Gather the panel together at the end of these practice games, the community series, and do a big wrap-up review in depth. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Coaches Panel. If you haven't got in touch with us across social media, do so. Become part of our Patreon supporter group with the details in the description of this episode. And we'll be back again tomorrow with another match review from these community series matches. Yeah.